today is Mission Sunday. All right, let me just let me just read a uh, scripture to you. Hebrews one. We want to get with God, don't we? We want to be in His Word. So, what does it say here? It says, "The Son, the Son is the radiance of God's glory." The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Do you know what that means? It's like the word radiance. It's like someone that takes a flash photograph. It leaves an impression of light in the back of your eyes. That Even if you close your eyes, just do that again, just quickly. It leaves you with such an impression that even though that it's gone, you can still see that light. He's the exact representation of the Father. Wow. He is the, it's actually, it's the, the stamped engraving. It's like an engraving stamp. He's the exact image. So when you, you, when you take that stamp and you, you impress it, it, it doesn't just leave a, 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 an ink print, but it actually impresses the paper and leaves the impression of the shape. So it's multidimensional. That's what that, this, these words mean. And Jesus, Jesus uh, what said to, to, uh, to Peter in, in John, in John uh, 21, he, he said, feed my fish. Uh, as a result of a question he asked people, he said, Peter, do you love me? Feed my feet. <laughs> feed my sheep. <laughs> feed my sheep. There you go. Feed my fish. <laughs> we go fishing. You know what I mean. the lighter moment say he he challenged him with three questions twice he said to Peter do you love me do you agape me do you love me with God's kind of love and and Peter said I philia I I I love you as a brother I Peter didn't understand the kind of love that Jesus was talking about and then finally, the third time, Jesus said, do you, Philia, do you love me as a brother, as someone in that kind of a way? And Peter then gets upset and goes, well, you know, I've just been answering that. But then Jesus said, having established and commissioned him, he said, when you're older, you're going to go places that you don't want to go. And What he didn't actually, he's talking about his death, but also about the kind of life that he was about to lead. That in the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't live on a love that is based on whether we like someone, whether we see something good in someone, because that's what Philea is. It's the love that goes. I, I like the way you are. I like. I see something good in you. I want to reach you and I want to help you. God's love is not object-based. God doesn't love us because he sees something good in us. God's love for us is agape. It is the kind of love that is a a response-driven. It is a duty. It It is a creative love. It loves. And God created us because he is love. 
He created, we're the expression of his love, not the object of his love. God loved you before you ever were. He loves us and therefore he created us. He is love. And what that love does, it teaches and enables us to love what has nothing good because God is able to turn what is not into what is through love because God is love. And and part of this uh, season that God's taking us into is going into maturity. When we mature, mature love is God's kind of love that is actually the way to victory. You see, God didn't wait for us to have anything of any good in us before he loved us. His love overwhelmed and changed us and transformed us into the people he called us to be. He made what is not into something that was amazing. You and I, now the children of God. But that is the kind of love that it talks about in, uh, one, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, where it says, so we no longer consider people from a worldly point of view. Because if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. Now we can look at Christians and we can say, new creation. Yep, I can believe that. But God wants to put that kind of love into our hearts where we begin to look at the people around us who do not yet know him and love that with them with that kind of love. And I tell you, that's the season that we're in where God, you see, this is what he says to be the most loving church in the world. It's not a boast. It's an aim. It's a goal for us. We'll never be able to say we've got there. But you know what? We're going to live it. We're going to live love because he is love. And if we live in love, we live in him and he in us. That's what 1 John says. So there's a season that we're just about to enter into where the love of God is going to be expressed in a whole new measure. It's exciting. And so I I just want to preface everything that you're about to hear because this is the outworking of some of that love. And uh, it's great. We've got uh, Bex is uh, my younger daughter. Uh, We've got two girls and one boy. And uh, for those that you don't know, uh, she has just been on mission for the last year working with YWAM. And so she's just going to come up and share. So here she is. Here's Bex, Bex Morton. So hopefully I should have some pictures going on in the background at the same time. And yeah, I just want to say most of the pictures are going to be of work we did in Mexico because even though I spent quite a bit of time in Costa Rica and Jamaica as well, especially in Jamaica, all the work we were doing was with vulnerable children who were asked not to take any photos. So all the photos I have in Jamaica of us just chilling during our time out, like not working time. So I haven't really got many of Jamaica, but yeah. Um, So yeah, this last year I've spent mostly living in Mexico um, with a Christian group organisation called Youth with a Mission, which is YWAM. And I first got into it because um, 
the base that they have in Tijuana is filled with young couples who have young children. And a, fr a friend of my mom's was there and she heard that I did work with children. She was like, we really need a preschool teacher to come out because we have all these kids and we even have a place for them to go, but we have no one to take care of them. So I went out there just originally for three months to look after the children of the missionaries in the area. But I really quickly fell in love with all the ministries that they had going on there. Um, so they have like ministries going on every single day. So um, like on Tuesdays, they go out into Zona Norte, which is like one of the poorest areas there where all the people who are deported or who are there trying to like get into the States, like they just end up kind of dumped there, like living on top of each other. So we, um, we go into the area like on Tuesdays to do ministries with the children to try and like encourage them to stay in school and just like see where they're at. There's so many children there just like being deprived and not cared for just because like their parents can't work and so they really easily fall into like stuff that isn't very good. So like we do work there to try and help them like stay in schools and just show them like the love of God and try and encourage them that they have like a different path that they can go on. And then on Wednesdays we go back out there to do ministry with the adults. Like we have a soup kitchen going on and yeah, just like meeting with people who have just been deported to try and like encourage them to find a, a say, like get them hooked up with churches in the area to find show them like a safe place they can go and to get them in contact with people who can help them get into rehab and like all that stuff. And then on Thursdays they have tutoring ministries going on with children in the colonias. Um, which is actually crazy. I think there was one day um, I was doing work, because normally I'd go there and I'd help out with the younger children, but one of the days they needed help with some of the older kids, there was kids between the age of 6 to 10, and we were, like, doing basic math with them. And um, one of the kids was struggling to work out how to take away a big number from a small one, so I just sat down with him for a while, and it didn't take very long to realise that a whole load of these 10-year-olds didn't even know how to subtract one from a number. Like, you know, in real life, they kind of understood it. But if you put down a sum on a sheet of paper, they had no idea what, what you were asking them to do. And so, yeah, they have a ministry going on in that area to try and encourage these children and, yeah, just help them get a real education. And then at the same time, they have work going on in the prisons in the area as well. And then the weekends, they do a lot of house builds, which I think most of my pictures are of house builds and stuff. So um, you'll get to see, I have an example of the kind of houses that families live in. And you can have families of like up to eight living in what we would consider a really small size for a bathroom. You would have families of like maybe like eight just kind of like sleeping on top of each other or like taking turns to sleep basically because they can't really fit inside altogether. And so yeah, so in Mexico, that's really what we were doing. And um yeah, so I was there from September to December, just working in the preschool and then helping out with all these ministries. But I really fell in love with what, like, YWAM stood for and just, like, the heart that I saw of all the people who were working there because everyone there was, like, really, like, full-on, like, pursuing God, not just in, like, the ministries they were doing, but there, were, there was a real focus on, like, your personal relationship with God over over the work you were doing they're like if you don't have a strong personal relationship with God then all the work you're doing is like in vain because you know it's not there to glorify God and I thought it was really cool how much of a focus they had on that 
And so I really felt like I wanted to go back and kind of like learn more about what they were teaching. So I went to this thing called a discipleship training school, um, which is three months of intense, like really getting to know God for yourself and getting to know God's call for, you know, all of us and just helping training you to like go out there and, you know, spread who he is. So that was three months of doing that back in the same place I was, but like doing ministries as well, but mostly focusing on a school. And then we went out for two months um, to Costa Rica and Jamaica to basically just be the hands and feet of God and, yeah, just show who he is and what he wants for everyone. And so, yeah. So the first two weeks we were in Costa Rica, we were handing out Bibles and we were in... San Jose and we actually went to like one of the most dangerous like neighborhoods in the whole of the country like it was really funny like we'll go into houses and talk to people and they were like really encouraging us and they're like we love what you're doing like you're actually answering God's prayer like we wanted someone to come give us a bible but almost every house that like encouraging us at the same time they're like you need to leave here because you're gonna get shot like it, it was it was ridiculous how many people were telling us like you're an answer to God's prayer but please leave we don't want you to get hurt but, like, we never felt scared at all the entire time we were there because every single house we went to, we really saw God's working. And it was amazing. Every day that we went back, we would just see people, like, sitting outside the houses, like, still reading the books that we'd led, the Bibles that we'd given them the day before. And, um, yeah, we saw a lot of miracles as well. Um, there was one day I went and I talked to this guy, and he was just like, as soon as I was talking to him, he was like, dude, like, I haven't had a job in years. Like, I have no money. Like, I'm in debt. Like, nothing's working. So I, like, just talked to him about a Bible verse, which talks about how God cares about us more than the birds in the sky. And how, like, I really believed if he just asked God, he would give him, he would give him a job. So we prayed, and then I left. And as soon as I got to the next house, I realized I'd give him the completely wrong Bible verse. Like, you know, I'd said the right thing, but I'd give him the wrong number. So I went back and knocked on the door, and I was like, I'm really sorry. And he just had the biggest smile on his face, and he was like, you would never guess what. I just got a phone call from a guy offering me work. The second I shut the door on you, my phone rang, and I have a job, and I'm starting next week. And, yeah. So... Yeah, that was, like, the first of, like, many. The same day, my friend came running up to me afterwards, and she was like, you never guess what? We answered this door to this guy, and his eyes were, like, completely, like, blue because they were blind. And as we were praying for him, his eyes turned brown. And he suddenly started going, oh, like, I, I can see you. And, like, that was completely normal. The, every single day we went there, we just saw, like, miracle after miracle after miracle. And then, like, even after we left, the man, um, he was taking us around. He would, like, he's the one who runs the ministry out there. He kept on, like, messaging us and being like, here's another testimony, here's another testimony, here's another person who contacted us to tell us what's going on. So that was, that was really cool because, like, you know, it's one thing to see what happens when you're there, but it's even more amazing to see, like, what keeps on happening after you leave. And um, so, yeah, we were there for, like, in Costa Rica for six weeks. After Bible distribution, we went and worked at a camp with children. And then after that, we were in, like, a more rural kind of jungle area, just working with a church there. And that was, like, a lot of physical labor. So, like, we ended up carrying sacks of, like, rocks and cement and stuff up this, like, mountain, like, going backwards and forwards with these sacks on our shoulders to, like, get them up there so they could, like, build a bathroom for a family. 
and um, yeah, we like stitched leaves together to make a roof for a house, and like that was all like physical, like labor because yeah, like you're supposed to be the hands of feet in garden. Actually, like doing stuff to bless people speaks so much more than just telling people like Jesus loves you, even though that's important as well. But yeah, we really found that actually like doing stuff. And, like, even just picking up litter opened up so many more conversations with people coming up to us and being like, what are you doing? And then we'll be like, this is why we're doing it. Is that? Oh. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and then after that we went to this party town and, yeah, we were just picking up litter and then talking to people in the area and helping with this skate ministry they had going on there, like helping fix up a skate park and working on this banana farm for a lady who has all these ministries that she does out there. So that was pretty cool. And then from there we went to Jamaica, where we did a lot of work for, with children in the area um, in the area they were in. And one of the main places that stood out for me was this... Um, this It's almost like a community that was like set apart from everywhere else, where parents would come along and drop off children who had even the slightest disability there. And the majority of them would never come back to like visit them or pick them up. And these children were just left there. But like it was an amazing place because it was run by people who just loved on their children. And you walked in there and you were just like, the place was so happy and so joyful and all these children, like even though a lot of them have pretty severe disabilities, like they were just so happy and they loved us being there and they just wanted to show us around and they were like showing us their home and I was so proud of it. So it was really amazing to see just how like loved and cared for that we were. But at the same time, it was really hard to see that, you know, they're basically forgotten. It's like society's decided that they're not good enough and that they're just pushed aside and like left there to live. And they'll never be able to move on from that place into normal society because they've never grown up around normal society like they don't understand they wouldn't know how to function outside of that little community that they're in like even even if they wanted to even though some of them probably had the like physical ability to like thrive and live quite well outside of the community just because they've grown up there and that's all they've known they won't honestly be able to like survive outside of there so it was like a mixed thing and yes that was a lot of the work we were doing out there and um so it was honestly a really amazing year. I'm really happy that I took the time to go do it. Like, I could go on for ages about everything that we were doing, but I'm not allowed to. <laughs> so um, I do have a blog about it, which you can check out, which is called, I think, adventurebex.blogspot or something. So you can just check it out. And I've got, like, detailed things about almost every single week that I was out there. So, um, yeah. But I really want to say that... Um, I know that God's called everyone to go out there, whether it's in your local community or like out somewhere on the other side of the world, like God's called everyone to go out there. And um, but I really want to say, even if you feel called to your local ministry, like a local area, um, just like maybe giving a week or two to go out and really support someone who's called long term um, abroad is amazing. And I really feel like God's called everyone to do that because while we've been working out there, we really found that just going and serving with someone who's out there long term made such a massive difference because a lot of people, they go out there long term and then they kind of feel almost forgotten about and they feel like they're giving and they're giving and giving, but 
you know, you get to a point where it's really hard to like keep giving. And it was like time and time again, we found just spending like a week working alongside someone. They were just so happy. They're like, you know, it's so good to know there's people supporting us and feeling the boost and just having someone come along and just taking a little bit of pressure off us for just a little bit of time makes such a massive difference. And it really does keep opening your eyes up to what God's doing all over. Like, it's really hard to have, like, a focus of, oh, yeah, God's working here, and he's doing all this amazing stuff here, but it's even more, like, amazing when you just see what he's doing, like, all over the world, because he really is making a difference everywhere. So, yeah, that's what I have to say. Well done. That's, and that's a big part of what we're trying to encourage. Every person in this church should be looking to go on a short-term mission somewhere. Not just have uh, uh, the, the job as part of our focus. But also t- today, because it's Mission Sunday, we're, we're focusing on, uh, on local mission as well. And uh, as you know, we've, we've been running uh, CAP courses, uh, money uh, management courses here as, as a church. And uh, it's, a, it's a great joy to be able to welcome a team from CAP. Uh, we've got uh, Diane and Yvonne and Len who are here. They're going to they're give us a little bit of a chat because we uh, are really pushing the button um, in faith that we can actually become a CAP debt, training, uh, debt, debt center. Uh, here this year, uh, or effectively the start of the year, um, uh, as we as we do all the training, but we, we've been doing training. But this is the next stage in reaching into our communities, reaching into our locality, reaching the people beside us. You know, CAP is is a, is one of those uh, uh, charities that actually has gained renown around the UK because of the work it does. Many of you have seen uh, adverts on television for Wonga. The most offensive company I have ever seen in the world. 5,000% interest rates it charges on those loans. That's not even loan sharking. That's hitting you over the head with a brick back continually while you try and live out life. That is destructive into our society. And so as a church, we need to be praying for the destruction of stuff like this. That companies like Wonga should not be able to operate in the UK. We've been silent as a church Generally, the Church of Christ. But CAP and other ministries like CAP in particular have been standing in the gap and speaking to us. I've, I've raised this with our MP um, and it's on my heart big time. All right, Because we are not, we're not willing to see people destroyed, are we? But that means we've got to pray and take action. So I just want to welcome up Diana and uh, uh, she's just going to uh, minister this morning. Well, good morning, family. Uh, you may not know me, but we are part of one family. Um, and uh, I come from a church in Wolverhampton. 
called Life Spring Church, and I've brought along with me my husband Len, who's my gopher and my chauffeur today, and I've also brought along Yvonne, who is a client, and she's going to be sharing her story with you in a while. So thank you so much to the pastors, Alan and Claire, and to all of you who have looked after me, us, since we got here. Uh, So thank you for inviting us, but thank you for your care. I don't think I've ever been looked after like I have since I came in these doors today. So well done, all of you. So I'm going to be sharing with you this morning a little bit about the work of Christians Against Poverty. Obviously, I can't tell you everything, although I'd love to, and I could stand here all day talking about CAP, but we're time limited. Okay, but do come and see us at the table at the back if you would like to know more. So I've worked for Christians Against Poverty now for nearly four years since I did my training, and um, my background wasn't in finance, Far from it. I worked, I've always worked in uh, the care sector, in the health service, caring for people. I am, my gifts are in mercy and loving. That's what I do. And uh, when our daughter went to do an internship at CAP, she came back to me and God had given her a picture. She'd been at the CAP conference and God had given her a picture of me sat there. And she said, Mom, I think you would make a great centre manager. Well, I laughed. And uh, I don't know anything about money. I mean, obviously, you know, we know our own finances, but wider than that. Um, you know, and I just thought that was quite funny. But isn't it? It's not funny, obviously, because God drips into us, doesn't he? And he started dripping into me that it was time for a change. I was like 54 years old. I was thinking I was, you know, spending the rest of my time within the career I was in. And suddenly God turned it over and changed it and made it obvious that he wanted me to get involved in the work of Christians Against Poverty. So I've been a Christian for 39 years now and um, I've always been involved in the church, always worked in the church, but I have to say these last four years I feel I am where God wants me to be. I've been trained over the years, all my caring has come to here and now He's using this within Christians Against Poverty. And I know that we all want to affect our communities with God's love. We want to reflect God and we want to change people's lives by showing, him, showing them his love in such a way that they're drawn to accept him as their personal saviour. And I know that you're doing this as a church. I've looked at your website. I've listened to what's been going on. And you're involved in lots of projects out in the community that's doing just this. CAP is a miracle. The charity was founded by John Kirkby from his bedroom office in 1996. He started with nothing but a heart for the poor, a faith in God and a love of the church. That's all he had. And here we are 17 years later and CAP has grown in a variety of ways. We work through 233 UK-based debt debt centres, 1,029 CAP money education churches, of which you are one, and 52, this is CAP's baby, recently launched CAP job clubs. And these are all based in the local churches. That's how CAP works. We also work in Australia, 
New Zealand, and this year we've just launched into Canada. So that's very exciting. We're, we're traveling the world. And today I just want to do three things. I want to let you know about CAP, about our history, about our values and our vision. And secondly, um, I'm going to explain, I'll touch on CAP money, but you're pretty expert in that anyway. CAP job clubs a little bit, but particularly CAP debt centres, as you, that's something that you are looking at currently. And I want to just tell you how they work and how they can impact a community just like yours. And finally, I'll be giving everyone the opportunity to get involved in what many are calling a movement of God. You can provide practical support, especially if you open a centre, sign up to the prayer team, and support us financially through a regular monthly donation. So first, let's just remind ourselves of God's heart for the poor as we read Matthew 25, verse 31. So that's Matthew 25, verse 31, a very well-known passage from the Bible. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was ill, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you ill, or in prison, and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of one of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So the scripture clearly defines our mandate as Christians. It's calling us to help our brothers and sisters and to reflect Christ's love to them. And this is exactly what we do through our debt centres and job clubs. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. Our recent survey of thousands of clients shows that two out of three had missed meals. Imagine that. And as I go in on a first visit to a client's home, it is not unusual for there to be no food in the house, even if there are children present. So what do we do? We meet this immediate need. I don't say I'll pray for you. We provide them with food. And we don't leave anyone hungry. After that, our work with family prioritises food for them in their budget to ensure that they always have enough to feed themselves and their children. They needn't worry anymore about where the next meal is coming from. Because if you're a parent, you know you go without food. 
so that your children can eat. And many parents are doing exactly that. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was in prison and you came to visit me. From that same survey, uh, 8 out of 10 clients said they lived in fear. And we constantly, as we go into people's homes, hear of clients hiding behind doors, not answering the phone. When I try and get hold of them before I go on that first visit, it can be a nightmare because they just don't answer the phone and not opening their mail. Often when I go in, they'll have got piles of mail, bags sometimes. I've even had one lady hid it behind the wall cupboard because psychologically out of sight is out of mind and certainly not opened a lot or people shred them all um, you know they cut themselves off from friends and family because if somebody invites you for a meal you might think I'll have to reciprocate or I need to take something with me and you haven't got the money or you're just ashamed so you just hide so people become very isolated So we go into their homes, we engage with them, support them, and we always offer to pray with them. Our clients say they don't feel judged, that their self-esteem is restored, and as a result, they're able to establish friendships. This is often the biggest need for people who are isolated, and it's made possible by working through local churches with people just like you volunteering. And then back to our Bible reading. I was ill and you looked after me. Four out of five of our clients visit their GP with stress-related issues. And over half of these are prescribed medication. I went into a home a few months ago where there was a mom and a dad and two teenage children. And the dad had recently attempted to hang himself twice in the home. You can imagine what effect that was having on all of them. But we were able to go in, myself and a befriender, and we prayed for this man. He was out of work. He was, they were on the brink of losing their house. We prayed for him, and I just saw him visibly changed as the Holy Spirit just came on him. It was just wonderful. And today, he's got a job. He hadn't worked for two years. That's not a coincidence that we pray for work, just like... Bex was sharing. We pray for work and God answers. And today, that family, yeah, they're working things through. The house is safe, but they're at peace with themselves. So we bring people a hope and a future. And like you, like it's already been shared this morning, we don't believe we should sit back and do nothing because together we can do something. And through our debt centres, money education work and job clubs, we're not only meeting the practical needs, but we want to bring the good news to the poor. CAP is a 21st century example of living out Matthew 25. And Yvonne's going to come now and just share her story of what God did in her life through CAP. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, as well, debt. Um, debt sometimes creeps upon us without us realising. And for me, that's what sort of happened. Um, overdrafts um, piling up. And um, bank deciding that they want 
to the old just be paid off in one go, which was going to leave me in serious problems. Anyway, um, I was, at the time I was doing work on my property, um, doing extension, and I had a builder who was coming to um, do a kitchen extension and a living room extension. Uh, the builder took the money, but no kitchen. And obviously, a lot of the work not completed. Um, through all this, um, I w- well, through, through all the problems of with the debt, I'd have um, the people ringing me up, asking for the money. And I'd have the phone switched off. I wouldn't answer the phone. Because they'd ring all times. They'd ring in the morning, they'd ring in the evening, they'd ring 10 at night, they'd ring on weekends, so it was easier to disconnect the phone. So I at least wouldn't be bothered with it. I'd never received so much mail. I'd have lots of posts, and it was all brown envelopes, so I never opened them. And it's never something I thought I'd ever do, not opening letters, but I just couldn't face looking at it. And then I had a friend who knew somebody who knew Christian Against Poverty and my friend says why don't you give them a ring and I was thinking well if they're a Christian what do they know about poverty but she says ring them you know give them a ring anyway a year later I decided to give them a ring and um, I rang them and they said somebody would ring me back and the person who rang me back was, was, was Di and she arranged to come out and see me and um, when she came, she came with a befriender. And when they came out to see me, they took um, all the details of what I had and they just mentioned that how they can help, but if I wanted to come along that journey with them, because obviously you've got to go along with this. It's not forced on you for you to make that decision. So I decided to go on that journey and it was sort of... Um, Christian Against Poverty where they will take control of the creditors they will speak with them so that that pressure was relieved was taken off me they dealt all my letters was all the letters I had was given to them and it was and they sent it up to head office so instantly just die coming down that day doing the paperwork and taking it away it was sort of like a, a big release Anyway, um, after two weeks, I came back with uh, um, a plan of how to pay because we Christian Against Poverty, your debts, they don't pay your debts for you. You pay the debts, but they take the pressure of, they do all the, um, the liaison with the creditors and they form um, what they think you, sh- you can be able to pay and actually sort of live on, but make sure all your bills are paid. So whether um, your rent or your mortgage, your uh, utility bills, so everything what you pay out, it's all being portioned out to be done. Anyway, um, on the th- third visit, Di came, with, came again with a befriender and they mentioned that um, there was an um, alpha course at their church, uh, what was starting, and they talked about the church called Lifespring and I was thinking, you know, Lifespring, I mean, what kind of name is that Lifespring? I was thinking, you know, oh my God, sounds like a cult to me, but, you know... <laughs> You know, I just went along with it, really. You know, I just sort of sat there. So, they says, uh, would you like to come to Alpha? Well, I didn't really want to, but I just thought, well, you know, they'd be nice to me and help. So, the least I can do back is 
um, go along. So I went along to this the Alpha course and it's quite interesting. It's quite interesting. So went it was for ten weeks and it was just sort of like questions about God and what Jesus is and whatever. But I really found myself enjoying it. And I think on the one of the um, sessions I had was the Holy Spirit Day, which was a, d- a whole day for the Holy Spirit. So um, this day, it was like if you want to tax the Holy Spirit into your life. Well, for me, I didn't want the Holy Spirit because I mean I didn't really know what it was. But leading up to that, I've been having this anger for the the builder who hadn't been coming down to do the work, took the money and me giving, keep pestering them. And this anger was really building up in me. And, you know, if I'd go to the shops, he'd come into my thoughts and I'd, I just hated him. I mean, I've never had such strong feelings of hate towards a person and I just wanted the most horriblest thing to happen to him. And I was quite happy and content to have him murdered and me go to prison because I thought, well, at least if I'm in prison, I'd be fed three times a day. I'd be comfortable. I wouldn't have to worry about any bills and I could just sit back and I was happy with that because he would suffer. Well, he'd be dead anyhow, but the family would suffer and know the suffering that I've had. So, but I knew that wasn't, that's not me as a person. I knew that was wrong and I hated that thing because when I walked into the house, as soon as I opened the door, I'd look where the kitchen was there's no kitchen and this anger would just build up in me so I decided on when it was Holy Spirit day they goes oh do you want the Holy Spirit and I says no I don't want the Holy Spirit but what I want is this hunger for this builder I want it gone because it was just consuming consuming me it was just eating me up so they goes okay we'll pray so they prayed and they prayed that was it they prayed went home and I walked through the door and obviously, going to where the kitchen was, no kitchen. And there was nothing, and I thought, okay, probably it's not working properly yet. So I stood there, and I, 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 you know, I thought about him, and I thought about him, and I repeated his name, and I said his name over and over. But still, there was nothing. And I thought, okay, then, probably not today, we'll try another day. So I think the next day, all day, kept thinking about him but there's nothing it was complete there's just there's no anger there's nothing and I couldn't bring up that vileness that age it was completely gone I thought wow (laughs) wow you know what I mean I thought this God's good you know it's instant and I thought hmm so anyhow um after a couple of weeks I thought Look, they invited me to their church and I've resisted, but I thought, I'll go along one day. So I think it was the Christmas service I went along to, and um, that was fine. And then before I knew it, I was going week after week after week. And then before I knew it, I got dipped. (laughs) I was (laughs) baptised. And um, I don't know, it's just been amazing. But more importantly, um, with CAP, the pressure of all the debt was gone. Um, I was obviously, I was paying, well, I'm still, I'm paying into a plan. 
and it's just easy to do. But the, the, I haven't received no money. In fact, I keep looking. How come nobody sends me any letters? I don't receive any posts. There's no phone calls. If any calls come, you just ring straight to head office and they're straight onto it. And it's like I've been... Because I was, you know, realised that I was lost in debt, but I've got freedom in Christ now because I've just been... I've just got life. I knew before that my life was empty, but I didn't know what it was empty for. But I realised now it was God, and I'm living. I understand what life is about now, and it's about living, and it's only living with God in it. And I'm just so thankful that... Um, Chris Gates probably helped me, but also it brought me to a church where I've got a family. That's amazing, isn't it? And isn't that what it's all about? It is for me, definitely. That, yeah, we're sorting out the problems like Yvonne's debt, but at the same time, we're sorting out the problems they didn't even know they had. We're sorting out that spiritual debt within people. So let me just tell you a little bit about our debt centres. Uh, we believe our growing network of 233 UK debt centres are a living demonstration, as I've already said, of Matthew 25. And over 17 years, our focus on debt management um, has helped us establish a firm foundation to cap, and it still remains our main focus. We feed the hungry, we befriend strangers, we pray for the sick, we see clients set free from the crippling burden of debt. How do we do it? Well, I, as a centre manager, go and visit clients in their own home. As you heard Yvonne talk about befrienders or support workers, I try to take a support worker from the church who is um, a volunteer, can be anybody with a heart, take them along with me. Because obviously I have to move on to the next client. But the idea is that the um, befriender or the support worker forms a relationship with that person and invites them along to things, makes sure there's okay, contacts them, takes them out for coffee, all the things that they haven't been able to do in their lives and pray with them and talk to them about Jesus. And even like with Yvonne, begin with, we were getting nowhere. We offered to pray with her. No, thank you. You know, when uh, Val, the befriend, and I would go out and we'd pray and say, oh dear. But you see, God knew God was working and that's what he does, you know. As I look around our church on a Sunday morning and I see this one and this one and this one and this one, all people who I went into as cap clients and I saw them broken, suicidal, hurting, depressed. But now when I look around, I see them praising God and having a relationship wow. with Jesus. And that's what it's all about. As Yvonne said, we take away the threatening letters and we direct all communication um, to between creditors through ourselves. We negotiate with them to get interest and charges stopped or reduced. And as Yvonne said, we don't ever pay anyone's debts for them. Never, ever, ever. They always pay their own money. But in 2012, we saw over 1,600 families go debt-free throughout the UK. That's over six every working day. Hallelujah. And... We've seen, yeah, it's worth a clap. <laughs> but it gets better, and you better clap this one. Because we've also seen over 5,000 salvations. Yeah. 
And last year, we led over 500 individuals to Christ. I remember going to one of the original um, days up at head office when we first started on the route of becoming a debt centre. And uh, Matt talked very much about being an evangelist, like a stick of rock written through you. And I remember sort of thinking, oh, perhaps I shouldn't be doing this because that's not what I am. I'm not an evangelist. I could count on two hands of people I'd led to Christ in those years. But God had a plan. God knew what he was doing, funnily enough. And today I am confident and I am seeing lots of people led to the Lord because he enables us. And with church support, with cat training, because they are an amazing charity to work with and work for, then you are enabled to reach your full potential. So, you know, you may be sitting there thinking, oh, I'd love to do that job, but I'm not this. You might be saying, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not an evangelist you know if you've got that heart then God can change us all and help us to be what he wants us to be so if you're sitting there today thinking yeah I'd love to do that then come and have a word with me afterwards because I'd love to talk to you about what being a centre manager means I'm passionate about it and so are most centre managers or they wouldn't be doing the job Not every day is wonderful. I'm sorry to tell you that. Some days are tough. I went round to a family who've been working since since we started, since even before Yvonne. They were working quite well, I thought. God led me to go and see them this one day. I didn't particularly know why, but I went. And when I got there, um, the mum with two little children... Curtains closed, start with she didn't answer the door, but I knew they were in there. In the end, she answered the door. And they, it was about the third week into the school holidays. They hadn't been at the house because her husband, who had family abroad, and his mum was ill. And you know what it's like. They believe that in England we're all rich and so expected money. He had not gone to Wonga. I wish he had. He went to a loan shark on the street and borrowed money to send to his mum. And you can understand on one side that. But what happened was he didn't come home one evening and he was uh, taken by gunpoint um, just from his car to a cash machine and they said, we want our money. And they held him there. He withdrew all the money he could from the cash point He'd just been paid and they held him there till after midnight so that he could withdraw more money. And then they took him home and they said, he said, how do I get in touch with you? They said, you don't get in touch with us. We will find you. And he'd come home. He hadn't told his wife for weeks about this. She knew there was something wrong with him, obviously. And then it all came out. Obviously, they weren't able to make payments to cap. And I sat there in this home of this young mum, three young, I said two, three young children. She's got a baby as well. And I thought, what can I do? What can I do? And I'm thinking, cap might even close this account because they'd broken their agreement. They'd taken out more credit. They couldn't pay into their cap account. But... Um, I just sat and I just prayed and I left thinking, oh my goodness, that was probably the most difficult situation as a centre manager I've been in to see, to 
see the hurt and the difficulty of that family and apparently not be able to do anything. Yes, I took food. I could provide some food for them because they had no money left. But I couldn't do anything else. But I prayed and I know that our God is bigger. I know that our God can meet every need. And I went to see her two days ago. And yeah, they're struggling. Cap hasn't closed them down because they still want to work with us. And, you know, we're going for it. But God's providing for their needs in many ways. And it's great. And he hasn't heard any more from these people. And we continue to believe that that will be it. So... Yeah, what could be better? What could be better than leading people to the Lord? And this is something that's happening in my life, not every day, but, you know, regularly. And I love it. Okay. So I've probably overspoken, but just quickly, Cat Money, you're a Cat Money church. I know that um, Jill and Peter um, and others who are involved in that are good at getting that message across. If you haven't been on the cap money management course, then think about going on it. It will change your life. And there's a new one booked for October. There's a sign-up sheet on our table at the back. So please do sign up for that course. <clears throat> and then just very briefly, cap job clubs. As I said, we've reached, recently launched these, and these are a fresh way for the churches to tackle the huge problem of unemployment within the marginalised groups of society. So cap job clubs equips churches to assist people in their journey to work by providing tools for personal and practical development. We currently have 52 job clubs up and running and our aim is to see that grow to 100 by the end of this year they only started this year so um you know and with as with all caps work we give them the opportunity to encounter jesus and we believe that this new initiative will make a significant difference in the thousands of lives of people who have no real prospect of work and i was reading some figures saying that one in seven of the people that we're working with through cap job clubs has found work So that speaks for itself, really, doesn't it? Anyway, as a centre manager, as a cat person, I love a bargain. And today, I've got a bargain for you, okay? This is a copy of John Kirkby's book. It describes Cat's incredible journey as seen through John's eyes, who started Cap in 1996. And to date, we've uh, distributed over 130,000 of these copies. I know it impacted my life very early on in my journey. I was more than impressed. I was challenged by what I read. It's easy to read and you can have a copy today because I've bought, brought enough for you all to have a free copy. All you need to do is on your seat or on a seat next to you, you'll find a little card. Okay. So if you can just fill that in with your name and your details and then bring that to us at the table afterwards, we will exchange that for a book. We have a bit of a rule in CAP, okay? We're not legalistic, but we do have a bit of a rule. You bring a card, I'll give you a book. No card, no book, okay? So come with your card, okay? If you're thinking to yourself, oh, but I've already read that one, then we have got some others as well that you might be interested in. Okay, so you can start filling that now, and then uh, you'll have done it when you bring it to the table. And as I said at the beginning, I just want to give you all the opportunity to change lives by supporting us financially through a regular monthly donation. 
Our vision over the next few years is to go from 233 debt centres to 500. Not so that we can say, look at us, aren't we big? But so that whenever anybody calls from within the UK, they can get an appointment. Currently, if you don't have a cap centre that covers your postcode, then we can't help you in that way. We will always give people advice when they phone up head office, but we, a centre manager can't come out and help you. And we also want to more than double our cap money partner churches to 2,500 and to grow our new job club initiative to 500 churches. And it's all so that we can allow as many people in the UK to have access to our services. This is a massive vision. But as you read John's book, that's not unusual for John. He's had a massive vision since the beginning. And we don't receive any government funding. We never have. Why is that? Because we refuse to compromise our values. Just like, we, just like you, we believe that we should be secure in God and delighted to share Jesus' love for people. And that sh- people should have the opportunity to find Christ and be drawn into the local church. Why can't the church once again be at the forefront of social change? So... I don't know about you, but I think I do know about you. I'm not prepared to do nothing when we can do something to reach the families in our communities in desperate need. We clearly share the same passion for God's work, for the poor, to see people saved. So therefore, can I ask you today to think about giving regularly to the work of CAP, to become a life changer. I love that word, because you think about someone like Yvonne, and you think, yeah, that's a life changed. And for every person who's ever given into CAP, or or who will ever give to CAP, you are sowing into the lives of people like Yvonne, so that they can move from darkness and desperation to light and hope. So, will you join 20,000 others who support our work already? On average, our life changes give £12 a month. That's just £3 a week. But every pound counts. It all makes a difference. And on the same card that um, you fill in for your book, if you would like to give regularly to our work, there's a little box you can tick to say you'd like to be a life changer. Even if you don't know the amount, but you'd just like to give, maybe you need to go and talk to somebody about it, or maybe you need to pray about it. If you put a tick and you fill it in with all your details that you can, your your address, your email, your mobile number, your home number, then CAP will get in touch with you to arrange that with you. But if today you're thinking, yes, I really do want to support CAP, I know how much I'd like to give, and you know your bank details, then if you can fill in the form underneath, that would be even better. And then bring it to us at the stand afterwards. So, on behalf of all the poor and needy clients, we will help through your generosity. Thank you so much for what you're doing today. Thank you for looking into opening a CAP centre to affect this area. And thank you for allowing me to speak this morning. It's just been a privilege. And please do come to the table afterwards. Bring a card, remember, for your book. 
But come and talk to us as well. Come and ask some questions. We're always happy to talk. You'll also find a plan A around, some more on the back. Take that. It tells you more about our work. And just thank you so very much. Thank you, Diane. So, it's here on our doorstep. And this is part of Open Doors. And what we want to do in being open, having this building open, both buildings open to reach out into the community and to be available to affect change. And as Diane said, we want to have a CAP uh, debt centre here. So that means we need CAP debt centre manager. And so maybe God has been speaking to you this morning and if he has, I'm just going to echo and say again, please come and talk to Diane, find out more. Or you can speak to Peter and Jill to find out more. Because we're, we, there's some training you can go to in October, and we want to get that up and running as soon as possible. We know that there is a massive need in Salford. There already is one debt centre, and we know that they have a waiting list. So there is a real need in this area. And alongside um, CAT, we also want to, we're, we're going to get involved with Food Bank. So who's heard of Food Bank? Yeah, quite a lot of you already. I think there's a, a logo going up. Food Bank um, is organised by the Trussell Trust. And um, across the UK, there are 370 food banks that have currently been launched and over the last two months, uh, 12 months, they've seen a 170% rise in numbers of people turning to food banks because they don't have food in their homes. And the majority of these people are uh, working age families. So not the young, not the elderly, but those who really need it because they have children at home. Okay, and because of, you know, the change that's been going on in the economy, it's caused more and more people to be in this financial situation. And just as Diane has said, you know, we need to be there to help meet those needs. So I've got some statistics here for you about Salford. In Salford, there's 28.6% of children are in families on out-of-work benefits. 30% of children in Salford are eligible for free school meals. That's 30%. That's high, isn't it? So when they go to school, they have a meal. But what happens during holidays? Is there actually food in the cupboards at home? Uh, more than 25% of households in Salford are in fuel poverty. Uh, and 23.6% of people are paid less than £7 per hour. And in November 2012, Salford Central Food Bank opened. It was the first one in Salford as a distribution centre. And in the first eight months, they fed over 650 people in need. So that's 1,950 days of food in total with over 1,900 volunteer hours donated. They had seven tons of food was donated and given out, and that's the same weight as seven cars. 
there is a real need and we want to be uh, able to meet that need. And we've been talking with uh, Christ Central Manchester Church, who currently run the Salford Food Bank. And uh, in January, we are going to open a second distribution point here, running out of the hospitality area which is really, really exciting. So uh, it's great to partner with another church as well to see this happen because God's called us all together to be to work as the body of Christ. And Barry and Sharon Atkins, they uh, attended a training day yesterday and they're going to be our distribution session leaders and we'll be looking for more people to come alongside them to work with them. So how does food bank work? Well, food bank, uh, the food is donated by the general public. So I don't know if you noticed any of you that went to Tesco's in June. Uh, there were collection points for a week in June. I know there was one in the Salford Tesco's. There was one in the Stretford Tesco's near where we live. Um, and Tesco's are really on board with food bank nationally. And there are other organizations as well. Uh, Kellogg's, HSBC. You know, there are other people who are really involved because they see how uh, food bank is helping and meeting a need. So the food is donated. It's sorted and stored. And then frontline care professionals identify the people in need, like doctors, social workers, um, you know, those kind of people, maybe schools notice that children are malnourished, okay, and they give out vouchers, and a voucher enables a person to come to the distribution center to get three days worth of food for their whole family, and it, it's emergency provision, but just like Dan was saying, you know, they go to these people's houses and there isn't food. Well, this is where food bank can work alongside so that we've, we've got straight away, we can put food into people's hands. So we're really excited about that, about that happening. And uh, Mark's just going to come and give you some information. Oh, sorry, you've got... Okay, so um, I love that passage in Matthew 25. I was reading it this morning. You know, at the end of it, it talks about uh, Jesus turns to the sheep and says, come into the kingdom, take your inheritance. Well, we want to have a good inheritance, so we want to do this stuff. We don't want to be like the goats who didn't do it, we want to be the ones who do do it, and that's what we're going to be doing. And we're opening food bank is going to require us to have some volunteers um, just to run you through the, the time scale uh, leading up to January, and then I'll talk about the volunteers then. Um, so as we've already said, Barry and Sharon attended the first training uh, yesterday, which we held in Studio 4, which was brilliant. So we're already working in partnership um, with the other church in a, in a good, close way. But um, they will then go and try um, it out on, a, on an actual practical basis, um, going to the existing food bank and just seeing how it works, learning from it, seeing what questions I have. We want it to start in January and start well. We don't want to kind of get there and kind of like, we have a whole load of questions, we don't know what to do in this. We're going to start it and it's going to work well. And we're going to meet loads of families' needs with the food that we can give them. So... 
Um, between now and uh, October, we need to recruit some volunteers that I'm going to talk about in a minute because Barry and Sharon are not going to be able to do it themselves. They are going to be able to do some of it, but they're not going to be able to do all of it. So we're going to need people. Um, there's a variety of different uh, jobs that you can help out with uh, which have different sorts of commitment um, requirements. So it's going to be loads of opportunity for us. Um, but that's between now and October because between October and November, we want to get whoever volunteers trained up so that you know what you're doing before it starts as well. And then within that, uh, between then and December, is have whoever else is volunteering getting into the existing food bank in Salford and just having a bit of a trial period, seeing how it is, just getting a bit of a heart for it and, and knowing how to, um, to work with it. And then the big thing for us is that in January we'll be doing two things. One, we'll be opening the food bank, which will operate out of the hospitality areas we've just discussed. The long-term aim is we will do it for two days a week, uh, two sessions a week, but we're going to start it with one so that we can actually make it manageable, get it right, deliver it. We don't want people turning up and it just looks a shambles. They're going to come into something that's excellent and that works well for them. So we're going to start it with one and build it up from there. That will also enable um, the existing food bank to really understand the whole management side that they're going to have to pick up by having two distribution centres in, in Salford. So we're working together on that one. The other thing we're going to start in January is we're going to have a collection point for you to bring food because food bank, as the name suggests, requires food. And whilst Tesco's can collect it uh, and volunteers can go in there and other places, it's great if we can have that happening here. You know, I grew up in an Anglican church for many, many years. We had harvest festivals, and at harvest, we always got food for the local people. Well, this is just the extension of that happening every single week. So let's go for it. So in January, we're going to be doing that. And then March, April time of next year, we will go to two sessions a week as we deem it fit to, uh, to do that. So that's the timescales. So what can you do? Well... I was just thinking when I came up, who wants to help somebody by giving them food? I'm sure we'd all put our hands up to that. So there's several different ways you can do it. Uh, we've already got our session leaders in Barry and Sharon, but we're also going to need volunteers for that, as I've already alluded. So um, there's a few things on the, the slide at the back which will show you what, uh, what the actual involvement is required. Um, but please come and see me afterwards. I can give it a little bit more detail if you can't quite read it or you want some more understanding around it. We also need people who are going to be able to deliver the food because it will be held at the main central location and brought to our store here in advance of the sessions running. So you may be able to, to help us out. All you'll need to do, perhaps once a fortnight, get in your car, go and fill it up with the food that they give you, bring it here, unload it, and that's all you'll have to do. So it's not going to be that everybody has to give hours and hours and hours. You may be only able to give a couple of hours once a fortnight, but that will be crucial for us being able to run an effective uh, food bank that's successful. So please don't sit there and go, well, I can't help every week. Tell me what you can do and we'll give you a job and you can help out, okay? And the last one that you'll be able to do, which happens roughly every two months, although as the scale of the project increases, we may have to increase this um, in terms of its frequency, but we need people to collect at the supermarkets. Um, in the Earlham Tesco's uh, in June, they have the people there, and when I walked in, there's somebody gives you a card that tells you what to go and get, and you add one item to your shopping, and loads of people add two or three, and when you've been to, through the till you paid for it, you then put it in a big trolley that's 
kept somewhere for all of the donations. So, but the people are required to sort of man that to help out, and that happens once every two months. So. There are loads of opportunities for you to get involved. And I would just ask, you know, as God's been talking to you this morning about helping those in need, feeding the hungry, you know, helping those in prison, helping those who have no clothes, etc., etc., come and see either the, you know, myself about Food Bank or the guys at the back for the cap. Because we want to make sure that we're not just a church that takes the word and is receiving blessings ourselves, but we receive the blessing to go and give it to other people so that we can bless them so that they can be blessed as well. So I'm going to hand back to Pastor Alan. Hallelujah. Okay. You know, when the, these kind of challenges, this is why God's working in us in this season with his love. Because otherwise these things just become a burden or a duty. But who knows it says that the love of Christ compels, it initiates God's love. And I just want us just to, today, I want just a closing right now. We want to be a people of compassion, don't we? Jesus was full of compassion. He looked on the crowds, saw they were harassed without a shepherd. And so he did something about it. He met needs, he multiplied food, he healed, he did all kinds of miracles. That's what we're about. So just right now, just close your eyes. Just, Father, we've heard vision. We've seen needs. We've heard testimonies. We've seen what just someone going overseas can do. We've seen what someone reaching a neighbor can do. And we just want to say, Lord Jesus, we are here. We're available for you to send us and use us. And Father, we're just asking for a fresh baptism of your Holy Spirit, for the love of Christ to fill our hearts, to move us from recognizing needs to being people who will meet need and father we confess his daunting but you are the supernatural god who enables us to do what's impossible in the natural to make a difference and we just want to place ourselves before you and say yes jesus work these things in our hearts Show us practically what to do. Lord, give us Salford. Give us lives. Give us people. But we are saying yes to paying the cost. We're saying yes to being used. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.